You're listening to a download from the outdoorstation.co.uk. Number four, seven, three. Hello and welcome back to the Outdoor Station and part five of this seven-part series recorded during the 2018 TGO Challenge. In this podcast, we move away from the sad memory of crossing the Monalia and the Stone Larrick area, which has been devastated by the construction of wind farms, and head into Braemar on the day of the royal wedding. But first, we have a discussion on the different ways that Lee, Tony and I prepare our food parcels for the challenge, as we head up towards the Larry Grew, which involves crossing along Boulderfield, hopefully without having an accident. Nine o'clock, Friday morning, just about to leave the Cairngorm Hotel. Having had a good night, a restful night, a night of refuelling and various forms, liquid and solids. But I'm pleased to hear that both Lee and Tony are also feeling a little bit footsore and weary from the hike down the Burma Road yesterday. Uh, they both admitted to being a little bit sore, which is a relief because my feet are certainly feeling the pounding in that hot weather onto the hot stone so we are going to take the lower route today, which is still fairly high, through the Larry Grew rather than over Ben, ben McDewey, which is a shame because I'd like to have done Ben McDewey. But having said that, the danger that I found pretty well every time I've come to Aviemore is that when you get your food parcel and you top up with the various things that you want for the next couple of days, food, lunch, whatever, the weight of your pack suddenly increases and makes that climb well the climb up to Larry Grew itself fairly hard going but there's a really steep climb for about five or six hundred meters height gain going up the side of the Ben McDewey that actually I was dreading this morning when I was looking at the map so the majority have said right let's take the easier route and I have to say I'm happy to go along with it as much as it would be nice to have some nice pictures on Ben McDewey where there's overcast at the moment it started off pretty bright but I think it's still fairly positive for the next couple of days. The Royal Wedding is on tomorrow, so the TV, the whole media is just totally focused on that, and the weather reports all relate to how great it's going to be down in Windsor. Fantastic. So we are starting the day a little bit weary, um, with heavier packs, and I think the it was a good joint decision to make it a bit easier and get to Derry Lodge and enjoy an early camp and hopefully pleasant weather. So that'll make everything so much more worthwhile. So that's the report so far from today. Not met many challenges, actually. Normally the, uh, the Cairngorm Hotel has got a good 25, 30 challenges staying, but there only appeared to be about um, 10 last night that I could see. A few people seem to have made their way to the campsite down the road, which is about a kilometre away. But the true numbers, not too sure. I spoke to a few people that have said um, there's been quite a few injuries and people dropping out, probably some of which from the heat, uh, some of which from accidents. So there's all sorts of stories flying around at the moment regarding the dropout rate. And I suspect it'll be fairly high from this crossing from the weather than 
the opposite when it's actually cold wet weather there are less dropouts but we'll find out more on Thursday when the facts and the figures have been released so that sets me up for today um, maybe I'll have a chat a bit later on when I get to Larry Grew or see somebody else along the way but so far this particular route hasn't actually involved meeting a high number of people just the first day there's quite a few people obviously but since then it's just been the odd ones and twos some of which didn't want to chat very much and you just do the basic greetings and carry on your way anyway let's see how today unfolds Ten forty-five, and we are on the cycle path from Aviemore, walking towards Rothiemurgus Forest and the start of the Larry Grew. And we're all complaining, really, that our packs are heavier than we remember them being. And of course, this usually relates to the amount of food that we've put into them from the parcels we picked up. And that sort of stimulated a conversation about how everybody prepares their food or packages their food for the event like this. In my case, um, I've got, unfortunately, six days' worth of food because I haven't got another drop lined up in Braemar. But I tend to dehydrate my food and then line it all up on the table and go, OK, those are breakfast, those are evening meals, and then gather them all together in a plastic bag, chuck them in the, the parcel... And at that, then at this end, I chuck it into a thicker Alex sack bag and take out basically what I need on a daily basis, which can be a bit ad hoc. Obviously, it all depends on the mood you're in and the type of food and the weather you're going, conditions you're going through. But it's interesting that both Lee and Tony have got slightly different methods on how they arrange their food for each day from the parcel. So I'm going to start with Lee because his system for his daily food preparation and the way he lays it all out is, is slightly different to mine. Yeah, so I have all the my bars and breakfast and my dehydrated meals all laid out on the table, and then I'll basically make a one day's ration pack with just a freezer bag and put my breakfast, bars, and all my, my soup for the day, and just a couple of coffee sachets and my evening meal. In one day ration sack, so I know exactly, you know, that's that's Monday, Tuesday might only consist of a breakfast and, you know, Wednesday just consists of an evening meal and I can keep keep a check on everything that way. Do you mark the, the bags? Sometimes, but mostly I can just tell by the weight of it what it's containing, so I roughly know what's what. And then foods, when you're at home before you're actually packing the boxes up... Do you lay it all out, all in one go, and then mark the parcels, as it were? Um, yeah, I tend to, yes, yeah. I do mark the parcels, you said, so I don't get um, mixed up. But, um, yeah, it seems to work quite well for me. I've always done that, you know, since I started backpacking, really. And what else do you put in the parcels? Maps, anything like that? Yeah, maps. Um, probably a new razor. So I often save just the little bits of soap at home that, are, that you can't use at home, but are fine for camping. Send little bits like that on and Fuji A cloths and um, that, that sort of thing, yes. Yeah, energy drink, and that's 
that's about it really. Now in my case this morning I've packed up all the maps to here, posted them home. Have you done anything similar? No, I'll print off all my maps. So uh, I just, when the day's up really, I can just get rid of that one. So that's the beauty of printing your own maps. But of course, as long as you don't go off the map, you're okay. Yeah. Okay, Tone. Yeah. Are you slightly different to that sort of system? Yeah, slightly. We've all got around ways of doing things. I usually start, once I've done my route sheet, and I've broken up my route into sections of where I'm going to stop. So three, I'm out in the hills three days, and then it's a half a day into just a yeah, 40 buses or something. So I usually collect about three passes I usually send. So I usually collect boxes, mark it on it, Port Augustus, Aviemore and Braemar. And then on my sheet list I've got day one, I don't need a breakfast because we're starting off from somewhere and you've, you've had your breakfast there. So it's only an evening meal then and what I eat during the day. And then I keep doing that, you know, all the way through and fill my box up. And in regards to food, I have the, uh, the dehydrated food. I have a flapjack in the afternoon because it's uh, 500 calories in, in one of them and I thought that's quite substantial for a snack and then uh, I might have a chocolate bar or something, a brunch bar and then in the morning it's muesli for breakfast with milk in, uh, in a cup, mix it up in the cup and uh, then put me drinking chocolate in with the milk left over and that's my breakfast. So are you the same as Lee then and, and you no. have the day's food in one bag or do you sort of take it out like I do as you need it? Yeah, I just put, uh, say three days rations, they just go into one bag. Right. Yeah, and, and most of the food stuff is basically the same each day. I don't tend to vary it that much. You know, it's just easier to do that way, you know. And, uh, and that's all I do. And what about the additional items in the parcel? Anything else like the maps, as I was saying? Well, I might have my hair gel. <laughs> now I've still got a bit of hair so just things like that you know, uh, restock of coffee because I do like my, uh, my own coffee you know uh, I don't like drinking uh, coffee in the hotels, the Nescaf I have my uh, Nescaf gold so I always bring plenty of that and that's about the main thing really I had I noticed sometimes uh, when I've been with you you've had two meals in an evening if you stop early and you sort of restock, you have a meal and a cuppa, yeah. you go to sleep and then you wake up for one later on? Uh, you mean when I'm out on the hills? Yeah. No, I, as I say, all I tend to do is have a flapjack in the afternoon. As I said, there's 500 calories in there. Yeah, yeah. And that's quite, you know, quite filling. And then maybe a brunch bar and then on the evening I just cook my evening meals, have a few sweets while I'm listening to my music or something like that. And that's it. Yeah. Breakfast is probably one of the most important meals of the day and getting a slow energy release is obviously good. I find it hard to do a porridge in the morning, just the effort factor. I'd, I prefer to have a cup of tea and a biscuit, but I know it's not going to give me the energy I need, so I force myself to, to have that type of breakfast. Have you got a particular favourite, Lee? Yes, I have. I use um, uh, granola, uh, Jordan's granola, and... Um, I tend to weigh it out at roughly 100, 120 grams. Put in a, uh, put it in a pour and store bag with a couple of teaspoons of powdered milk, and uh, seal it, up, seal it up, and that's my breakfast. Just eat it straight out of the pour and store bag. So no just add hot up. water, and that's it. Cold water. Cold water. Add right. cold water and no washing up, and 
and then uh, no mess, easy. I'll go for the easy life. <laughs> what about you, Tony? I'm the same Janola, but I have uh, the cheaper brands, Asda. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as I say, I, I mix it each day in an individual little uh, plastic bag, you know, freezer bag. Yeah. And tie them up and uh, with the milk, don't bother with sugar. And then, as I say, in my cup, uh, I just pour that into my cup and I use hot water and I'll leave some hot water in, in my pot. And then when, when I've had all the janola and there's still milk in the bottom, I put my drinking chocolate in and top it up and, and here I go. I've only got one bowl to wash out. Because if you have porridge, it's the cleaning of it. Yes. The hassle. Yeah, yeah that's... You know, you don't really want that. No, no that's, what I'm, that's what I'm finding and yeah. I find frustrating, but I do enjoy porridge with dried fruit in it when yeah. it gives it a little bit of taste and, and, and colour. Yeah, yeah. So the final question, I suppose, is lunch as if there was such a thing because we all tend to munch and nibble as we go along I, I'm at the moment when I can I pick up a, a cheese and onion pasty which I can put off and have as an evening meal if the weather's bad uh, that and possibly an apple which unfortunately it tends to be fairly weighty you guys pick up sandwiches or anything for lunch Lee? Um, no, I was going to today but the breakfast was that big that um, I didn't bother I just picked up a few bars um, for today but as a rule I'll bring muesli bars and and um, little granola bars and I like uh, those little packets of cheese biscuits yeah I see and you like your cheesy watsy yeah, things yeah that's sort of just a very small very small packets and I just put a little pin prick and take the air out of the bags and put a bit of sellotape over it and so I can squash them right down. Oh, that's a good idea. And that uh, seems to work. That keeps the salt, salt levels up. Tony? I'm the same as I just said. I, I usually have a flapjack in the afternoon. But nothing till lunchtime-ish? We've nothing stopped for a break. Yeah, you've, uh, you've had a bar or two, haven't you? Not, not t- today. But not, uh, I wait till, you know, as you say, 1 o'clock, 12 till anywhere between 12 and 2. Then I'll have my flapjack. You know? Oh, OK. Unless I don't munch along the way or anything like that. I tend to drink more water. And that's it. But I will say, with the logistics of packing, you usually find after Braemar, you don't tend to carry so much food because you, you end up going down to Tarp site. There's food available there, you know. Yeah. And then in the morning you go to uh, the retreat, you can have a breakfast there. So that's a breakfast you don't have to carry. Then down to Edsel, another evening meal in there. So you, you tend, after Braemar, you tend to carry less food. That's so important. That's how I do. Well, there you go, folks. Some uh, advice and tips on things to consider on the food front if you're looking to do the TGO or something similar. Uh, plan ahead and consider where your evening meals and breakfasts are if it's close to civilization for whatever reason. And then uh, fill in the rest with small portions of things that are easy to carry. It's been a slow day today, it's 3.38 now, and we're almost at the Pools of Dee on the Larry Grew. And although the path is much more defined, or the route rather than the path, is much more defined than it has been in the past, there's still sections where you have to really watch your footing. And Tony's already slipped and bent his walking pole 
the technique is to not overcommit your balance so you're always standing on a rock which may move may twist may slide but you're not falling forward and I think I've done this now about five times it's you, and you can't go fast there's no you can't rush you can only go as fast as your balance will allow you it's a dry day today no there's a cool breeze blowing through occasionally but uh, generally sunny fine and even so it's taken us several hours to get over the main sections and as I talk to you now I'm going over boulders about the size of a, a loaf of bread and I've come to another section where they are considerably larger and I have to balance myself and of course when you put the walking pole down obviously there's no flat surface everything's at an angle so you're hoping that the walking pole will engage with something solid and then not get trapped uh, so I've taken my hands out of the loops of the walking pole so they are merely acting as a balancing aid and you can hear it's just sliding and although these rocks are big they still move um, and it would be so easy to slip and slide along these bits this next section is about 50 metres long and as you can hear underneath my feet some of them are moving some of them aren't this isn't the sort of place you want to have a serious accident because there is no coverage up here and it will take you a long time to get any assistance but certainly it's a case of balancing each stone and not over committing yourself it's the over committing that causes the problem because you start falling forward and you have to concentrate with every step and it's been like that actually all the way even the marked path as I say the more established path you couldn't lift your head at any stage to look at the view because you just stumble and fall fall over a stone it's very very difficult terrain to cover and certainly not one you want to rush so it takes as long as it takes to cross and unfortunately even though we're late in the day late in the day for us uh, we've still got I don't know, probably an hour and a half descent at least to get down past Corobothy and then down to Derry Lodge. The path will ease in about two or three hundred metres and it'll be a bit swifter. But as I remember, it's still the same, you can't look up really to appreciate the view. <clears throat> another section now I remember once 
there may be even a podcast about it. I was up here with Rose and a storm was chasing us in. And we had to camp here at the Pools of Dee. And everybody laughs when I tell the story. And I'm actually now at the Pools of Dee. And I'm trying to spot the two rocks we fitted between. It was unbelievable. We had a uh, Terra Nova Solar 2 at the time, which has got a reasonable footprint. And the inner first, it's one of these inners that you can pick up and move around. We just managed to get it between two large rocks, which I can still see where they naturally were many years ago. And then the fly sheet was sort of thrown over the top and managed to pin down attached to various stones. And thankfully, uh, it was a good move. We, I seem to remember we had a quite a good night. As in, tired, restful, reasonable amount of sleep. And we got up the following day and it was much easier to to actually navigate um, out of here. But Derry Lodge is a lovely place to camp. And between here and Derry Lodge, there's actually very little, unless it's an emergency, and I'm sure you'll just make do with what you can get. Karoor Bothys, exceedingly popular with people coming out of Braemar, so it's often very busy. But again, if you need emergency assistance, that's a good place. And the camping's not too bad down there, but it's a good kilometre off the main track. But it's still a fair distance from where I am at the moment and deep pools. Back to the big boulders again. See the path is slowly turning back into shale, but it's as I say. I just thought I'd share this with you. But it's been like this for the last hour, hour and a half. Lifting your knees very, very high, placing your feet very carefully, balancing yourself just to make sure you're stable before releasing the balance and moving forward. Somebody's post hold there. And now more of the same. So, anyway, you get the idea of what's involved. My walking pole's got stuck behind a rock. Um, get the idea... Oh, and then the next one. Get the idea of what's involved. I need to concentrate, so I'm going to stop recording now. Yeah, I do need to concentrate. The lovely sound of the gas burner starting to cook supper. And it's a late supper tonight. It's just before nine o'clock as I record this. Oh, the water's just starting to boil. And uh, it's been a long day. It's been a long day. We were tardy at leaving Aviemore. But the length of the road section to before you get to Larry Grew and then the Larry Grew itself and then the sections after that, it just seemed to take forever. And all of us have done it a few times. And we were all saying, well, isn't it just down here around the corner and just across the river there? And isn't it just... And it's an extra kilometre. But I don't think we finished till 7.30, getting towards 8 o'clock, after a 10.30 start. And the weather's been pleasant, uh, thankfully. There's been no rain or anything. But certainly, even in trail shoes, I had stopped at one stage because my feet were just giving off so much heat. I had to uh, 
remove the socks and just sit there for five minutes and let my feet cool down just because it's punishing really punishing walking but a pleasant evening unfortunately we've just pitched the tents just as the sun was starting to go down over the top of the surrounding mountains which is a real shame because it would have been nice to have sat here for half an hour or so watching the sunset but one of those things so we are all exhausted not on our not not a good day not our best day it's a long day and and we'd all forgotten between us uh, just how long it can be in fact between us we worked out we've done 42 crossings we thought they would have known better by now anyway so tonight's supper is i'm gonna have a nice cup of soup starter uh, mixed with a uh, block of bovril which is really nice it really thickens the soup up which is a nice starter and I'm going for venison stew with mash. And I just hope I can stay awake long enough to enjoy it. So I'll pick this up tomorrow, wedding day. Megan and Harry. Uh, can't wait to get into Braemar and see the big screen presentation that I suspect will be there. Or maybe not. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Anyway, good night everyone. Saturday the 19th of June 2018, the day of the royal wedding. Harry and Meghan. And we are at Derry Lodge and the time is 8.20. It's been a cooler night, seems to be a cooler, a series of cooler nights really. It's been a cooler night but everybody seems to have slept reasonably well. I'm still not sleeping as well as I, I normally do and I can't quite work out why. I certainly was exhausted last night. Probably mistake of eating as a result of the time we got in and all the rest of it. Just eating too late. It was dark and by the time my food was ready. And by the time I put the first spoon in my mouth I thought, oh, I just don't feel like this. So maybe that was something to do with it. Not having a, a decent warm engine to keep me warm during the night. But several people have left Derry Lodge already, heading for Braemar and then Calata. We're about to leave in a minute. Another fine day. The forecast for the wedding apparently is gl- glorious across the country. The gods are shining on everybody, so uh, I hope it's a good day for everybody. So we'll see what unfolds today. But the normal routine is go to Mar Lodge on the way into Braemar, stop for a cuppa, use the facilities, have a chat there with other passing challenges and then the six mile walk into Braemar which is just head down plod along the road and it's nice to try and get that done really when it's early before it gets too hot because it's the hot road and the heat that tends to bruise the feet and certainly all our feet were suffering last night we were hobbling just nothing else getting across the rocks and the Larry grew but also just the heat generally uh, has affected uh, affected the feet, but uh, woke this morning. Feet feel pretty good. Everybody seems on good form. Maybe it's the smell of the beer that does it that's changed the uh, the feeling. But everybody seems ready to go. So looking forward to a, a cool but sunny walk into Braemar. Uh, some refreshments. Uh, Lee and Tony have got some accommodation lined up. I'll see if they've got some space. I'm, 
I could do with a, a decent night's sleep. Uh, so we'll see if uh, there's space, affordable space available. Otherwise, I shall be down on the campsite with everybody else. I'm guessing. We are noting that there seems to be less challenges that have come this way. Yes, we've bumped into a handful of people. We've probably saw what eight or nine yesterday. Challenges that is, and normally you'd expect to see a lot more coming this way into Braemar. So. Whether they've gone to Ballater or they've taken another route, goodness only knows. We'll find out later, I'm sure. Right, well, wish me luck. It's fairly straightforward, hopefully, today. I'll chat to you later. This podcast is brought to you by backpackinglight.co.uk. A small UK independent helping you save weight and enjoy outdoor life more. Three o'clock sees me camped up at Braemar campsite and they've very kindly found a space for us and fitted us in. Sounds like there's a lot of events going on this weekend, as we've found out. We came through Mar Lodge and called in for the usual cup of tea, which was a welcome break and used the toilet and facilities there, and met up for the first time with probably a good 20 or other challenges all happening to arrive roughly at the same time. So it was nice to actually see other challenges as opposed to the handful that we'd seen before. Mall Lodge is a lovely spot. It used to do accommodation, a whole variety of things, but now it does sort of functions, uh, as, as, as a lot of these places tend to do. And as it happens, we understood, if we got it right, that the ghillie, or one of the ghillies from the estate, is getting married this weekend. So as we left and walked down the six-mile road to Braemar, uh, a number of wedding cars came past us, looking like they are about to go and pick up the special guests obviously there's another wedding going on today the royal wedding so we didn't know whether we were going to find Braemar fairly quiet or really busy but it's been busy all right but with a number of challenges coming through and also being a glorious day lots and lots of walkers and visitors coming in for a change I walked down the road I walked with Heather and conversation flowed and it was really refreshing we seemed to touch on lots of subjects which really helped pass those hard road miles and hot road miles fairly quickly and before we knew it we were thankfully in Braemar closely followed by Lee and Tony and everybody headed towards the nearest cafe that was open I think it's Graham's Cafe in the centre of Braemar and we all tucked in to a copious amounts of food and not only us but also the other challenges that came through as well once we'd had some lunch we made our way down to the campsite and they very kindly made some space for us as we hadn't booked in they've fully booked at the moment but what we understood there's not only this wedding going on at Mar Lodge of the Gilly but also a couple of big functions going on in Braemar tonight I gather there's some 60th birthday celebrations or some other big celebration and I'm told there's another event going on I'm not too sure what the event is but apparently it's going on so consequently uh, everything is fairly booked all the accommodations booked the hotels are booked and so on and so forth so we were all possibly anticipating a bit of a quiet arrival 
uh, it seems to have been the other way around. Anyway, it is lovely to sit on the campsite in glorious sunshine without too much high wind, take off all the wet and weary clothes and actually just relax the feet and walk barefoot on beautifully cut manicured grass. Also heard today there's 46 people have dropped out out of the 330, I think, people that have started, one of which was Andy Howell, which surprised me. So I texted Andy and I'm no doubt you'll hear the full story at some stage during this podcast but I understood that on the first day he damaged his knee from a fall uh, crossing a stream and unfortunately it took him two days to extract himself before he could get a signal so I'm sure we'll be discussing that at some stage. So that pretty well closes the Braemar chapter. Tonight we'll be just going to go and do the washing and wash up various articles of clothing that need a clean and then grab some breakfast in town tomorrow before heading up to Localita and over Jocks Road. So that finishes Saturday's recording and of course I've got to pop to the hotel and pub and see the highlights from the royal wedding. listening to this podcast to hear or see more from our extensive free library please visit theoutdoorsstation.co.uk